ladies and gentlemen, lament for the Sarlacc. <clears throat> One, two, three, four. Goodbye, Goodbye Sarlacc, Sarlacc, my, my friend. friend. You've, You've gone, gone and met a bloody end. end. Because, because of all the softly creeping. Woke you up when you were Hi, bit next. And, and then, then Fennec went and bombed you in your, your mouth. It always sounds scattering you across the sands of silence. Beautifully done. R.I.P. Sarlacc, old friend. We barely knew ye. <laughs> Hello, Pod. I have to somehow edit that together. Well, I'm Chris Hewitt. Welcome to the Spoiler Special Empire Podcast. Spoiler Special dedicated to dissecting, much in the same way that Boba Fett and Fennec Shan dissected the Sarlacc, those motherfuckers, uh, after they cruelly killed it. Uh, dissecting Chapter 4 of the Book of Boba Fett. And to do so, I'm joined by three colleagues of such lethal cunning, Hello, O'Hara. Hello. Ben Travis. Hello. And Amon Warman. Here he comes, folks. Here he comes. <laughs> Not Amon. Amon's already here. But Mando. Mando is coming, and I want his first words to be, Here I come to save the day. I want that to be what comes out of his mouth. <laughs> because that's what he's doing. That's essentially what he's doing. I'm not sure that was the intention. <laughs> I don't think whenever they, whenever you know, Filoni and Favreau were were drafting Chapter Five, if he indeed he shows up in Chapter Five, and we're going right, Man Mando's going to be in it now. I don't think they quite knew the importance that would be impressed upon him, which is basically here comes Mando, not to save the day, but to save this show. <laughs> essentially, <laughs> it does feel like the most excitement that we've felt in this show so far. Um, uh, generally, um, among the fans. And this has been the first episode where it's like, hey, maybe stay off Twitter if you don't want to hear about yeah. some things in this episode. Yeah. Although and a certain someone here was doing to. a very, very heavy clue, dropping heavy clues within minutes of the show ending. Weren't they, Mr. Warman? Although I told I told Helen to stay off Twitter. Once she watched it, she then stumped all over my considerable hype. Like, it's, it's only Mando. We've seen Mando before. It's not a big deal. I'm like, what are you talking about? I genuinely, I finished, I finished the episode and I was like, why are you telling me to stay off Twitter? Like, I don't see any spoilers in that. What just, like, mm, whatever. It's economics. It's basic economics. It's a simple case of supply-o and demando. And oh, they yeah. have now, there's a lot of demand for Mando. Mm -hmm. Hey, come on now. There's a lot <laughs> of demand for demando, and now they're going to supply the mando to meet the demando. <laughs> for the daimyo? For the daimyo. daimyo. <laughs> yeah, that's, what, that's what's going to happen. So we're all, ex we're all excited about this. Uh, ben, um, sorry, I so rudely interrupted you. Um, well, three, three quarters of us are excited about this. How can you not be excited about Mando, Helen? What's happened to you? He's great. He's great. But like, I mean, I've seen Mando. I've, I've seen that show. I've seen Mando on Tatooine. I've seen Mando with Boba Fett. I, whatever. Here comes Mando to make this show better. By having I mean, Mando. But can he? Because I, I have fundamental problems with the show. So anyway, we'll get into that. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I'm not maybe sure someone else can save the show, to be honest. Yeah, should, should we maybe get into the, the good stuff first? Let's let Ben yeah. talk and Amon talk. They're much more up on it. <laughs> 
I was just saying that, yeah, it, it does feel like Mando is the thing that has got everyone excited about the Boba Fett show, which is a, <laughs> a slightly strange um, way of everything working out. Oh, man, but when Mando comes back, he's going to be sad, Mando. He's going to be baby Yodaless. <laughs> he's going to be this sitting is... on a park bench just looking miserable. He's going to be sad Keanu, but the Mando version. <laughs> and we'll just assume that he's got a sad face because obviously he'll still have his mask on. Yes, he will. Uh, because... Unlike Boba Fett yeah. at any time. Yeah, every every five seconds. But, th- but that is absolutely surely not what was intended, right? Whenever they started cracking this this story, whenever they started breaking the story for this season, uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau and Robert Rodriguez, we know, has input into the show also. They must have been thinking, all right, so Mando is going to be the cherry on top of the icing on the cake if he shows up in Chapter 5 people are already going to be hyped and pumped and they are not hyped and they are not pumped and suddenly it does now feel like Mando there's like I say there's so much importance attached to this like they have to this character that was almost like just a kind of a, like a diet Boba Fett when he first started off is now going to be the thing in a five ten minute cameo I'm guessing who's going to maybe make the show must watch television I think it'll be longer than that that's the sense that I'm getting. I, I <laughs> I'm also dreaming like what uh, the idea. Suits say a woman strikes again. <laughs> oh God! It's my... going to be twenty solid minutes of Mando, and Baby Yoda's going to be around the corner, and Ludwig Göransson's going to fly in on a speeder and do the wow 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 in person. I've seen I mean, it all happen. This is how you say it. Would watch times a thousand to all of that. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as long as I'm making outlandish statements. I think <laughs> that we also might get a recast Cara Dune and they'll and and that'll be part of the episode five. But whenever they find Mando, I think that is where that is who he will be with. I think it'll just be a there'll, there'll just be a title card, Cara Dune died in the way to her home planet. <laughs> that's, that's gonna be what's Personally, happening. I'm hoping I think. for a Lucy Lawless Cara Dune. That would be awesome. Um but I just uh, I, I really the, the moment at the end of this episode, it reminded me of uh, Avengers Infinity War a little bit because there's a moment in that film uh, where Cap says, I, I know somewhere, and then it transitions to Wakanda. And there's like a little musical cue to join the two. Um, and it's amazing because that, that film came out like April 2018, Black Panther came out in February 2018, and that, and that score had already become so beloved and so recognizable that people, including me, were already getting hyped just hearing a little musical cue to the point where they had to actually re-edit that bit and uh, and make it just a little bit longer. The transition had to be just a little bit longer because the second the drums kicked in, Cap's line was lost uh, by by audiences going, "What the fuck, Wakanda?" It's like, yes, guys, we're going to Wakanda. You saw the trailer. <laughs> this is not a surprise. Anyway, yes, still awesome, still awesome, still and awesome. Yeah, I, it, it was. I, I got a similar vibe from this. Just just this little musical cue uh, had me in hysterics in a very cool way. I was, I got very excited. So yeah, I, I know so was, you, you're completely right in that it wasn't the intent for Mando to be as important as he now seems to be. But the main thing here, and the main thing here is that we're getting Mando and it's very exciting and we should all be very excited, including you, home. I mean, okay, we'll get into it. You, you, please, Ben, say something positive. Well, well, I'm not going to say something like that positive, sadly. What I was going to say is the thing that this show hasn't quite done so far, uh, and what I think this Mando tease 
symbolizes for this show is that across the Marvel series and the Star Wars series, what they've generally done a really good job of with the Disney Plus shows, with the weekly rollout, is having each episode kind of have a holy shit, don't go on Twitter moment, but Mm -hmm. that is also woven nicely into the plot. It doesn't feel like they're just going, and then this one's going to make the audience lose their shit on the internet this week, and then next week we'll do this, which will make people lose their shit. It feels like they're coming up with stories that have all of these organic reveals built into them that will as a result of that, make people lose their shit on the internet. And that's part of the fun of it. But with Boba Fett so far, they just, we're four episodes in, and this feels like the first one that's really done that, that's had a, oh, here's a big thing, because not much has actually happened in this show so far. But I feel it's not like, even in the episode, Ben. That's well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's a music cue at the end of the episode, hinting mm. at what might come next episode. Yeah. And it might not even be next episode, it might be chapter six. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I, I think... My frustration with this week's episode, as much as I still enjoyed it, um, is that it felt like we were just retreading like the same ground again that we've already covered in this show, let alone in Bits of Mando. So, I yeah, I think it says a lot that oh, we're ben. excited about Mando coming back because... In Mando, we've talked about how maybe one of the flaws of Boba Fett so far is that it is so Tatooine-based that it's like, okay, here we go, another 45 minutes on Tatooine, which is fine. But in Mando, it was like every week, okay, we're going to a different planet, here's the, there's ice spiders, and now we're going to uh, the, the, sea the sort of samurai planet where Ahsoka <laughs> yeah. is, and... Yeah. And, oh, Baby Yoda's eating macaroons. This is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Whereas this show is like, every week we're back to Tatooine, talking about the Sarlacc again. It's yeah, Boba doing something kind of stupid and, and Fennec giving him a look saying, that was kind of stupid. Uh, and then you get some fun droid stuff and then you get some slightly cringy biker stuff and it just feels like a remix of the same thing every week. The reason that it feels that way is because that's exactly what it is. The reason it feels that way is because it hasn't started its freaking story or it certainly hasn't pursued its story with any sense of momentum whatsoever. Like I get, you know, sort of, you know, picaresque novels and and the, the fact that not every story needs to be kind of muscular and and, you know, propulsive and everything else. I get that sometimes you want to noodle around and and spend time with some characters and get to know some people, but there is absolutely no advantage to most of what we've learned. There is there is no way that some of the stuff in this episode shouldn't have happened in episode 1. We should have seen most of this in episode one. I mean, this is something we have said repeatedly about the MCU, for example, that that we are content to spend time with these people. We're just content. We don't need a story. I mean, one of my big, I love Guardians 2, but one of my big bugbears by Guardians 2 is that it has a story. And at some point, the story kicks in. And I don't want there to be a story. I'm just happy hanging out with the Guardians. They're fun to hang out with. I would say, and this is with the greatest respect to the Mr. Bean of the Star Wars cinematic universe, but Boba Fett, this iteration of Boba Fett, is not fun to hang out with. Uh, the the brief scene in uh, Jennifer Beale's cantina with Black Chrysanthemum ripping someone's arm off and just generally being a prick is much more fun to watch <laughs> than Boba Fett bumbling around, getting everything wrong and being generally a bit rubbish. Uh, and so I don't really want, you know, to spend time with them. I'm, I'm desperate like you, Hellsbells, for there to be a story, something to kick in, something to give us something to aim at. This is it. And it's just, it's really frustrating to me because 
We needed from day one, essentially, Daimyo one, to know why Boba Fett, what Boba Fett wanted to do. That was labored. I know, it was was labored. Um, (laughs) What Boba Fett wanted to do in Jabba's position, why Fennec Shand was going along with him, what their deal was, and then we can go from there. Given that they've killed off all of the sand people, there is absolutely no reason, frankly, to have spent so much time with them up front and centre. There is absolutely no reason for that. That could all have been dealt with in flashback. It still could have been, you know, and, and that would have made more sense. There is no need for that whole Sarlacc pit scene apart from just, you know, it would have been, imagine how much better it would have been if he'd just flown up, bombed the fuck out of it and flown away again, like he did with the bikers. There is no need for him to be there. He he knows that he was wearing his armor when he got out of the pit, because otherwise he wouldn't have got out of the pit. Even if he has some kind of amnesia caused by the acid, which we haven't been told and have no reason to believe is the case, why wouldn't he have deduced that from the fact that he is alive as a person? It makes no sense. That whole sort of, oh, I've got to look in the pit for my armor is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I've got to go and get my armor. Where was the last time you saw it? Hmm... (laughs) Oh, I was in the Sarlacc pit. <laughs> just, that must be where I dropped it. It doesn't make any sense, Bobba. Like, use your brain if you have one. Come on. Yes. He, keep, he keeps saying that he's smarter than everyone else. And then, and then, and then he yeah. struggles to catch a droid <laughs> running around a kitchen. Or he can't, he can't reverse out of the, the parking carriage in Jabba's palace. And then he just blunders his way into the Sarlacc. He's it's an just, idiot. It's so annoying. He can't take down the rat catcher rabbit droid on his own. He needs Fennec's help with the rat catcher rabbit. I think this is deliberate at this point. I think this is deliberate. I think that there may well be, and I don't know this for sure, but I am beginning to suspect that Helen is actually the showrunner of this this show. And uh, she is taking down Boba Fett from the inside by making him ultra, ultra incompetent and undermining him at every single turn. That's just a little theory I've got going on. If someone like me were in charge, that would make more sense. I mean, look, he goes into the the casino. He sees Black Crescenton having a moment, threatening somebody's life. He sees that the owner of the casino, who pays him protection money, is worried about this. And he stands back to see what happens. What the hell? And then this is the same Wookiee who he let go last week, and yes. he could have offered him a job yeah. at the time. At that point, mm-hmm. and then he yeah. just goes, "Ooh, maybe you should, you should come and work for me now." Is like, what's going on? What's mate? Anyway, anyway, the storytelling this is, I, this is, is all over the place. This is not what I wanted to happen. I, we have been infected by the spirit of James Dyer. Even Ben, even Ben has been corrupted. James isn't even here. And this is how strong his negativity is, that he is infecting us all. Because by and large, I thought this episode wasn't too bad. I thought, you know, it did a lot of decent stuff. Yes, we spent a lot of time in the flashback to Tank. Once again, there was quite a bit of fetconning going on. But I think that might be done now. I think we're now in the present day. We've caught up. We've learned all the things that we didn't need to learn. We know all the things that we did. <laughs> need to know. There's maybe one good. more thing. There's maybe one okay. more thing, which is... Oh, Columbo th- is in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> which is that Fennec, Fennec suggests that um, that the biker gang is unlikely to have taken out the, um, <gasps> the sand people on their yeah. own. So oh. we could flash back to that or that could become something going forward. But um, but I guess that's the thing. And also, how long is he meant to have spent with the sand people? Are we talking yes. years? <laughs> I, think I think we are. Years, because he yeah. was like... 
when he said, when I escaped the Sarlacc pit all those years all those ago, years and I was ago. Like, that was last week, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought he was with him a matter of hours, just enough to pick up some light, basic woodworking skills, but apparently not. I mean, again, I feel like the storytelling has not shown that. It has not given us that montage or whatever to explain that that's what happened. Because we, we saw, I would allow weeks. I would absolutely be careful, be happy with weeks. But I don't get a sense of years at all. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I love how arrogance has made you have It's very funny. Um, just, just basic storytelling, people. Basics. I, I do agree with quite a bit of that, especially Boba being incompetent. We were talking a little bit before <laughs> we started recording. There's that awesome scene in The Mandalorian where he goes through a, a, a whole battalion of stormtroopers like they're nothing, and it's awesome. And I've been waiting for that Boba to show up here, and he, he hasn't. It's really, really strange to me. I'll also say that I think... I definitely think this episode, especially the, the flashback to tank sequences, should have uh, come earlier in the season. I'll actually say it should have been episode mm-hmm. two. I think they should have done what Hawkeye did and released two episodes at once to start off with. So you can have the episode one establishing all the Tuscan stuff and do that and then flow into a lot of what we see in this episode. Um, because it just makes more storytelling sense. It gives us what we've been wanting for a number of weeks now, which is that motivation, which is more of that relationship between Fennec and Boba, although we still need a lot more in that regard. Um, so yeah, in that general sense, like I, I, I did enjoy it. Um, I, I had fun with this one, even before the final musical cue. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I, say, I say that with, you know, acknowledging that uh, Helen is right on many things. <laughs> and it's very entertaining to listen to, as I say. A great many things. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, listen, Good stuff. There was good stuff in this episode. Let's let's focus on that for a little bit. Let's let's park the Boba bashing to one side for the time being, shall we? I, I know there's a lot to bash him about, uh, and I I am also of the mind that that scene in Mando where he was taking out the stormtroopers was a Frank Drebin, Inspector Cluso esque uh, show of accidental badassery. That he didn't know those guys were behind him, and he he just basically had a plank with him. He was like one of those removal men you see in in a, in a comedy movie. He was basically like blind. Uh, Han Solo. That's what he was. <laughs> yes. what he, he does was. say he does say in that sequence when he takes down the ship that he was aiming for the other one. So also, do you remember that line where Mando says, "Thanks for taking out the stormtroopers," and Boba replies, "What stormtroopers?" Uh, there's, there's, that, there's that bit as well. Anyway, any only joking. There's no such line. Anyway, there is some. There's really good stuff in this episode. Fennec Shand. Yes. Finally gets a little bit more to do. Uh, still convinced she's going to turn on, on Boba, but she does get more to do. And, and everything she does, Helen will identify this with this mm. strongly, shows up the incompetence of her male <laughs> colleagues uh, even even more. <laughs> it's, it's quite incredible. Ming-Na Wen's had more screen time uh, on the Empire podcast than she has had in her own show over the last uh, three chapters. <laughs> so I was glad to see her getting a little bit more. And of course, we finally got to find out where her robot stomach came from. <laughs> Didn't need to know, but we found out. She could not miss. I felt like a little bit more horror at suddenly waking up with a robot stomach might have been called for just a moment or two. I realized <laughs> I think it, it was that or death. I get it. Yeah. And I Take think she death. would have gotten that. 
but I feel like just a, another moment of holy fuck, whereas my stomach might not have been entirely <laughs> classic Star Wars dialogue there, really straight from the mouth of George Lucas. George well, Lucas. Listen, bugger is now a a word in the Star Wars lexicon. There it is go. introduced this week by mm. by Tamura Morrison. Um, yeah, quick little bugger, and uh, so mm-hmm. who knows. Who knows? Fuck might be around the corner. <laughs> Fuck my robot stomach. Oh no! Come oh, on, enough my crash! Robot stomach. All right, this isn't um, crash. <laughs> oh my word! Oh dear lord! Yeah, there was uh, a quite visceral uh, sort of cyborg <laughs> detail this week, and weirdly, um, did, uh, the first name that comes up in the credits at the end of the episode is is the guy who who gives Fennec Shand her robot stomach is Thundercat. The, the musician, producer, funk extraordinaire. Thundercat. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I know. It's wild. Crazy. How did that happen? I don't know. I, I don't know why that was a thing. Also, they did that thing again where they put like German bass music in the background oh, of a Star Wars scene and it feels yeah. really wrong. Mm-mm. I still don't mm. get like I, I feel like that cyberpunky body modification-y stuff does exist in the Star Wars universe, feels like something I mean, that exists in Star Wars. I'd like to introduce still- to my friend Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. But uh, Tatooine doesn't seem the place that this would, stuff would be happening. I don't it's know, everywhere, I still man. bump up against that. It's like TikTok, all the kids are doing it these days. I really liked the fact that it was a throwaway line of dialogue, but that the mods from last week, the S-Club Biker Gang from last week, are actually <laughs> called the mods, uh, which is a, which is a you know, maybe a little bit of nose, but it works on two levels, like The Matrix Reloaded. So it has, you know, they're, they're the mods because it's a nod to Quadrophenia, and they're the mods because they get modifications. modifications. I like yeah, that. They've been modified. That was clever. Good shit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I still... I think I like the aesthetic. I think it's interesting to bring that more into Star Wars and do something new with the Star Wars aesthetic, which has been so set in stone for so long. Like there has been very little real innovation in the Star Wars universe in terms of its look. And I think it's good to push that a little bit just to give yourself more room to work with. I mean, we've complained in the past, like how small is this universe? You know, you want the sense of it growing, of it expanding, of there being kind of new worlds to conquer. So Mm. that stuff still I find a little bit jarring, but it annoys me a lot less than the rest of the basic storytelling. God! Oh God, oh God. <laughs> I'm really trying to control it. While we're talking about Fennec, I love how much of a badass she is in this episode. And she does it in like, like many different ways as well. She obviously, she can't miss when she has that long rifle and they're trying to escape in the ship. Like, Every shot she takes is a winner, which is great. But she's like doing silent takedowns. She's doing a lot of stealth stuff. She's doing a lot of spy stuff as well, like uh, getting into the compound. She has that thing that she uses to uh, to get a layer of the land. It's really, really cool. I, I love that we get a, a really great idea of her skill set in within the course of this episode. It was good. I, I think we still aren't getting the sense as well, even between both of them, the, the sense of like... This being the gangster show of him, obviously, yes, he's setting himself up as a crime lord, but we haven't had any like individual episode plots yet where it's like, oh, he discovers this family is plotting against him. So he goes to meet them and then they're going to double cross him, but he double crosses them. And I don't know, having little plots about how he is setting up this, his own little crime lord I don't know, syndicate. We haven't had yeah. any stories about him being a crime lord yet. He just keeps sitting at the table and talking to people and then leaving. And yes. <laughs> that's kind of it. So that's the thing as well. It, 
even if it's playing in a different milieu to Mando, when Mando had, yes, a, a very kind of archetypal, he gets a job from somebody, the job goes wrong, he flies off with Baby Yoda at the end, it had that as a structure, but it gave you various different adventure plots each week. I feel like we're not getting even like a crime of the week plot mm. or a, a oh, gangster maneuver of the week plot, which is kind of what I thought this would be. Yeah. CSI Tatooine is exactly what I would watch. <laughs> at least it feels like he's getting the crew together now, because yeah. it, like at least maybe not at the end of this episode, but in a couple of episodes time, he'll have Fennec, he'll have Black Crescenton, and he'll have Mando and possibly Cara Dune, uh, all in Tatooine fighting for him. You don't think it's going to be Cara Dune? I don't no, think. I, I, I just, I mean, it could be. Like, I, but Look, it's going to happen for sure. I mean, it's, it's clear that they listened to us last week and realised that, as we said at the time, Black Chrysanthemum should have been recruited mm-hmm. immediately to the team. Don't forget also Baby Rancor and Danny Trejo, also yeah. in the mix. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and the, the two Gamorrean guards. And the two Gamorrean guards who are enormously useful and helpful in every way, I'm sure. <laughs> um, and and Matt they, Barry they droids. They walk around real good. Yep. Let's hope they they fix up, you know, kitchen droids and that uh, rabbit rat catcher droid, I don't know his name, um, turns himself back on at some point, you know. Well, he was knocking around in the uh, in the mm-hmm. dinner table scene. So oh, well, great. Fantastic. Well, well done him. If you want positive noises out of me, let's talk about the kitchen scenes. That was my favourite <laughs> thing this week by far. You Just have weird five little droids. <laughs> okay, so last week I was like, I want to see who's making the, the little Rancor meat meals. Uh, for for Boba Fett, who is working in the kitchen, and this week we saw who's working in the kitchen. We yeah. had Master Chef, the droids. Um, <laughs> it was it was great, and I love that. It, again, as usual, I watch this with subtitles on, and yes. they are literally called Chef Droid and Sous Chef Droid. Like they have that <laughs> distinction in the Star Wars universe. They have that structure of kitchen. Yep. They were chopping some big. Well, it looked kind of like leeks or maybe like spring onions, uh, which is interesting choice of vegetables. Yep. And then yeah, we had that weird little like rat catcher droid who was running around on his little two legs and oh i love that guy that was my favorite thing in this episode that is the baby yoda i've been craving this entire series um he, he needs to be teamed up with boba and fennec stat <laughs> yes he's the real More power behind the throne he is. <laughs> uh yeah i think that is the second best john favreau related chef i've ever seen <laughs> and i was kind of Hopeful whenever we were introduced to Chef Droid that we might actually get a bit of a detour, that he might have like a brisket, a 24-hour brisket just Mm. cooking away. And then I started to think about how food works on Tatooine and then I began, the you know, the fabric of the show began to fall apart. Uh, Like, could a bantha really just survive on like a chicken wing which is essentially what Boba threw to him and he's like there you go mate off you go into the desert it's like it's gonna die within minutes uh no I'm, I'm sure it's all fine and all accounted for in the science of Star Wars books which are real things probably oh, um, so many questions oh, about the science so many like, questions like also um a bantha being a meat eater by the looks of it yeah I just yeah. Mm, mm, I get They're I mean not look I'm not a biologist I'm not a biologist, <laughs> mm. but that was a bit of a stretch for me, if I'm honest. I think they may be looking at them as kind of just big, shaggy dogs. Which don't typically live in deserts in desert. on their own. Mm. I'm just saying. You tend to get big, shaggy dogs, like in mountains. We're applying the laws of our universe and our deserts to Tatooine, which yes. is a completely different place. 
uh, and very, very, you know, it might have different rules. I, so, I, I mean, go. it must have very different rules. It's yeah, got magic. Yeah. It's got magic. So <laughs> a wizard did it and ran away. Uh, precisely. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm great with that because if you start to unravel that sort of stuff, it's pretty soon you're pulling at your jumper and you're just naked from the, the waist up, uh, you know, like, no, I understand. You're, you've unraveled your jumper. You've unraveled uh, don't mean because you, t- no. you haven't taken your trousers off because you've enjoyed the book of Boba Fett so much. Anyway, oh, God almighty, someone help me. Um, <laughs> what else should we talk about? Have we talked enough about the chefs? What were they cooking, Ben? A healthy salad by the looks of it. It looks very healthy. Yeah. It looked colourful. It looked vibrant. It looked at least two of you five a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm just impressed by the food scene. Have we ever seen cooking in in Star Wars before? Well, Rey made her little bread thing, which is still one of my favourite effects at the start of The Force mm. Awakens when she sort of pours the, the water on the thing and then it makes the bread. Blows my mind every single time. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that just felt like a nice little detour. That felt like a fun, like, we- weird Star Wars detour in the way that sometimes you get in Star Wars. You get weird little creatures or weird little droids doing strange things uh, in a way that feels very organic to that world. So even though it was a bit of a uh, a comedy subplot among all the Sarlacc pit stuff and 30 minutes of flashbacks and Black Chrysanthemum ripping people's arms off, it was genuinely the kitchen scene that made me the most amused. That really stuck with me. Um, <laughs> it was definitely my favourite bit. Yep, yep, indeed we do. Um, as I was watching the, the show, especially the bit... Not only the bit where uh, where Santo, as he was called uh, in the show, where Santo rips that poor Trandoshan's arm off. Poor fella. All he was doing was just standing there doing nothing. Gets his arm ripped off for the trouble. That's awful. Uh, but also the bit where Boba and Fennec chase down the the bikers, the Nitko, uh, Nikto, sorry, Nikto biker gang and wipe them out. And I couldn't help but think of that fella who became a thing on Twitter earlier on in the week. Do you remember? Did anyone see this guy who tweeted, I'm really frustrated by the book of Boba Fett's lack of violence, and this is a broader issue with Disney+. Plus. There are no R-rated movies on the surface, and there never will be. He isn't over here because we have Star. Ideally, a Boba Fett TV show should be more like The Punisher. So I thought of that guy and went, <laughs> is that what mate, he said? Wow. This, yeah, this, is, this is one for you. This is one for you, my friend. There you go. A bit of graphic violence, a biker guy being wiped out, and someone has her arm ripped off. Good to see a, a little Wookiee arm ripping. That's such a signature <laughs> move. It's been a while. And that's what we want from Black Chrysanthemum. Like when, when he first turned up and you go, well... Chewie is generally just a fun guy to hang out with and sometimes he gets a bit mad and gets a bit out of control yeah. but for the most part he's he's got his shit together whereas Black Chrysanthemum is a, a, a big hulking Wookiee who can rip arms off left, right and centre so and he does. seems like he's going to be the most valuable asset at this point to, to Boba's team it still just blows my mind that last week he was like you go, run free. And then a week later, he's like, no, come back. I'll give you a job. <laughs> I, I like that moment um, in the fight with the Trandoshans. I think one of the Trandoshans like smashed a bottle on Black Chrysanthemum's back and oh, then yeah. immediately shat himself. <laughs> he was like, oh yeah. no. That was a great I did moment. not mean it. <laughs> but what was Boba doing going to that? I don't even know the name of that place. Is it the... Jennifer Beale's place. Jennifer Beale's place. Flashdance, uh, yeah. let's call Flash it. dancers. let's call yeah. it that. And uh, so he goes there for what purpose? Because he immediately leaves and offers Black Chrysanthemum exactly. a job. Is that why he was there? F- this is the what, thing. It doesn't make he? any sense. He just says, I'm going for a walk about town, which you would think, okay, I mean, if he's going to do anything useful, it's going to be to break up trouble and, you know, generally act like a boss. 
And instead, he goes in, he sees this incident going on, he doesn't give a shit, and he lets it play out. Why? Why is this our hero? Jennifer Beale should be our hero. He's clearly enjoying the, you know, Black Crescenton bio that Jennifer Beals is running down and is listening intently uh, to see if he is going to recruit <laughs> Black Crescenton into his crew. That's clearly what he's doing. That's clearly, that's he d- clearly what he's doing. He didn't know that was going to happen. I just, ooh. <laughs> he was there like, oh, I, I should show my face around town. I'm like, dude, all you do is show your face. Maybe show your not face. <laughs> Put your helmet on for a bit. There is that line where he says, I'm less persuasive without my armor. So mm. I think I think he knows. He knows. Anything else? I would like to know how Max Rebo got his residency, because I love that every time we go back to that place, Max Rebo's still just playing his little playing his little guitar. Um, and I just like that he is just their house band at this point. He's just there. That's what he does Monday to Friday. Maybe he does special things at weekends. Maybe he gets to mix it up every so often. But every time he's there, I love him. I love Max Rebo so much. There is a Northern Irish drag comedian called Mae McFetridge who's been around oh since God. we were kids, right? I did not expect that to be a reference. <laughs> wait for it, wait for it. I have a point. All right, okay, So I good. was home this Christmas. We were driving through Belfast and there on the Grand Opera House in Belfast was a poster for their panto and Mae McFedridge is still their pantomime dame. I don't know how? how many years. I know, how many years, man? How many years? My point being, some people just stick around. They're local heroes. They never go out of style. The panto crowd is always going to turn out for them. Max Rebo is that on Tatooine. I mean, I think that's just clear. <laughs> I honestly want to see the Max Rebo spin-off because he would have been hit hard by Jabba's loss, mm. surely. And he would have had to, you know, maybe come back and claw back his reputation and take some gigs and rather scuzzy bars and cantinas. And then he's hit it big here at Flash Dancers. And he's he's like a pig and shit. Or a blue elephant and shit, or whatever the fuck he is, he's in shit. A blue elephant in a circular keyboard? I don't know. That's it. I I invented the piano key necktie. (laughs) We did see that upsetting thread online, didn't we, that uh, explained that maybe not this version of Max Rebo, but the original Max Rebo puppet, it's it's not arms that he's playing the piano with, it's his feet. He doesn't have arms and he's just using his feet. Whereas this, it looks like he's got shoulders and arms. I think they've maybe slightly changed his uh, anatomy for for the series but he's still a little blue elephant guy and that's that's all he needs to be maybe he had a hit album after the fall of the empire he wrote like a, a really kick-ass like prog rock epic oh yeah uh, about this massive piece of history they all lived through and then that's how he's making his money these days dark side of the twin suns <laughs> that there's something there there's something would, in it i would absolutely listen to that uh, dark side of the that's no moon make it happen make it happen folks uh anything else we got a little bit more and again we still need a lot more in this regard about boba's motivation to take Mm. over jabba's palace because he says um that he's basically tired of people he's pretty tired of people dying because of incompetent rulers and you know he wants to uh take over with fennec for that um and fennec seems on board with that it's interesting because we were talking in previous episodes about the death that um, Fennec owed Boba for saving her, but that debt is not a thing because it's you know paid in full sort of at the end of this episode. Um, so I found that interesting as well that that, that that they're not long in that part of it out, and it's interesting given what they're doing with Fennec and how Ming Na is playing her. She's been very ambiguous uh, in terms of 
if she's still on on Boba's side, is there a heel turn coming? I find that to be quite interesting. But again, we still need a lot more in regards to their relationship and where Fennec stands. And I I I think they're trying to be ambiguous to surprise us later down the line, but I still would like to know more of what's going on in Fennec's headspace. I just okay, yeah. I, I I feel like actually at this point I'm not expecting a heel, oh, really? heel turn from her. No, because we have not had enough of their relationship for it to be interesting or surprising or effective in any way. We, we're not invested in that relationship. So who cares if she turns on him? They're not even fun together. No, there's no like, you know. There's uh, no banter. Uh, there's no repartee. No, exactly. And there's been there a couple a of moments where they- He just let him go in the desert <laughs> hey. earlier in the episode. <laughs> Very they've, good. They've, they've kind of tried a couple of times and I had her some, saying something kind of dry and witty and him just like raising an eyebrow. And th- th- like that dynamic can work. You know, he doesn't have to be firing off quips for them to have that sense of, of a relationship, but they absolutely haven't established it. So there is no- mileage for me in her doing a heel turn at this point. I think what we're meant to think is that she really does, you know, have a hope of buying into this scheme of, you know, hey, we can just make things better for ourselves and people like us. But like, he's just going to become another boss. Like she's given us no reason, he's given us no reason to think he'll be fundamentally different in what he does, apart from a background as a bounty hunter, I guess. There's no real meat to it. There's no real sense there of of something that would convince her of uh, that he is able to follow through on what he's promising i think the biggest issue for me so far is that like in all the present day stuff we got a bit more of them obviously in the flashback stuff this week of of how he found her and how he saved her and, and some of that stuff but we've had so little time in the show in the present day storyline that we're over halfway through the series and they haven't done anything yet they haven't really lived through anything together they haven't really done anything together that's bonded them that as helen said if fennec then turned on boba you'd be like oh no but look at all the stuff they did together and they went through oh ow, this hurts because of this betrayal they haven't really done anything and i think it just for me speaks to the fact that with four episodes in of a seven episode show and basically nothing's happened at all and the last week and this week it was like the pikes are coming the pikes are coming. They're still coming. We think <laughs> it's it's probably going to be war. The pikes are coming, but we haven't had any like real movement on any of that stuff. So I just I feel like this show has been weirdly just nothingy so just far nothing. because <gasps> when you think about Amon, when you were talking about the Mando app with Boba in when it was initially like oh what if this is just like one episode that we got to do something with boba fett and they're like knee rockets beating the shit out of people using his shoulder cannon to blow up a ship and doing all the cool stuff using his jetpack he hasn't done any of that in this show at all yet all the stuff that's like hey if we could do fun things with boba fett what are the things that he's got that we could play with they haven't done any of that yet mm. they haven't really done anything with the relationships and they haven't done anything with the crime lords story either so uh, it just yeah feels nothingy this feeds into my theory that they weirdly they may almost be deliberately undermining it feels like they're shorting the boba market in order to you know make a lot of to make a killing on mando i think that feels (laughs) it feels that they're doing that a little bit Unless Mando comes in next week and he's even yeah. more incompetent than Boba, and the first thing he does is he steps off his ship and he trips and falls and dies. Straight <laughs> on a banana peel. <laughs> what? Oh, <dear. laughs> 
That'd be amazing. If only they hadn't killed the Sarlacc, he could have like jumped out of his ship and could have <laughs> straight into it. down and just gone straight into the mouth of the Sarlacc. <laughs> oh, I immediately regret this decision. <laughs> and then it's the start of a new show. Then Mando's hand bursts out of the sands of Tatooine. <laughs> and here we go again. Oh, the cycle man. begins. Oh, yes, please. Mamma Mia, here we go again. <laughs> Do you think part of this, and I'm, I'm just thinking about this now, so it might be complete nonsense. Um, the very first episode of this... Boba says that he wants to rule with respect, not fear. And mm-hmm. we have, yes. at various points in this pod over the last few weeks, they said, you know, Boba needs to kill people. Boba needs to sort of do something to show, like, why should people follow him? Why should people sort of go along with his regime, etc.? He seems to be very, you know, sticking to that respect, not fear angle. I'm, I'm not saying he should kill people. I'm not saying he should be violent. I'm saying he should do something. It's not the same thing. I'm not saying he needs to like blow up all comers. He just needs to act in some way. He needs to do something like the d- not act in the sense of, you know, performance, but he needs to be doing things. He is meant to be the protagonist of this show according to its title. So why isn't he doing anything? I don't understand like the dinner scene this week, that is him doing something. It could have been yes. a series of dinners. I, I would have been yeah. very happy with that. That's respect, fine. That felt mm-hmm. godfathery to me this week. Yeah. It was like the five yeah. families coming together. However, they go, why should we follow you? And then the Rancor, on cue, because apparently the Rancor mm-hmm. can speak all languages, <laughs> reaches up and, and grabs the uh, grabs the table from from underneath. And there, everyone immediately goes, oh shit, he's got a Rancor. Rather than thinking, all right, well, I just won't come and see you then, but I'll still... <laughs> <laughs> because... It's not exactly portable. You're not exactly going to get me with your rancor, are you? So I will fuck your dis- your operation up from long distance. But maybe he is when he starts riding the rancor. When he starts riding mm-hmm. the rancor. Not a euphemism. Yeah. No, but that's yeah. the title of Max Rebo's fourth <laughs> album. <laughs> oh, I love it. Maybe Max Rebo's album ultimately will be the book of Boba Fett. There we go. And that is, and the last episode will be him singing to camera, playing some sort of lyre. A post-credits musical number to finish the series? That'll yeah. get a massively well, Chris. Yeah. People right. love that. <laughs> People love that shit. Never been done. What for Hawkeye. <laughs> um, I have a question. So we've seen him in the back to tank a bunch of times, recovering from things and having flashbacks. So it seems from this episode that the thing he was recovering from was spelunking in the Sarlacc. <laughs> Am I right? I mean, that seems to be what it was. Yes, he was covered in Sarlacc Splunk, and uh, and that stuff's corrosive, apparently. I mean, that was scary, Helen. That but would why be scary. Why did he do that? He didn't have to do it. Oh God! I love that Fennec Shan's whole thing is basically she lets him be an idiot, and then slowly points out. And again, Helen, you will have identified with this, and then and then and then points out after the fact his idiocy. So he goes in, and then she's like, you know, you probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, that's quite corrosive. Here, have some water to wash it off. Oh. Yeah, but as he said earlier on, he's smart. He's smarter than everyone else in the room. And he can be a better leader and he's fed up of people dying because everyone else is dumb. And he's a big, clever man. Okay. Verbatim <laughs> quote. He should be clever. He is He is the clone of a clever man. Like, he should be a clever person. He is. Was Django clever? Well, he got himself a good deal, didn't he? And he seemed to be quite effective until he got his, he got his... head cut off. <laughs> yeah, well, like by a Jedi, by like a cool Jedi, not one of the shit yeah, ones. But, but that's not very clever, is it, to take Look, on okay. a Jedi? <laughs> he may have been also overconfident in himself, but I, I don't think he was meant to be a 
dummy. Quick little bugger. And I don't think, like, we, we've seen, I mean, Amon's watched all the cartoons and can back me up on this. I don't think all the clones are meant uh, well, to be dummies. Helen, I should no. point out again, we have We've all watched the cartoons. That's true. And we know <laughs> Many them <times>. intimately. <laughs> In, back mm-hmm. by heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, he, like, he's not meant to be stupid, I don't think. So, you know, it just seems like one of those absolute own goals that I don't understand why it's there. You know it dissolves people. Why did you jump into it? I don't Next know. week, Boba just... faces his nemesis, a door that says push, but it's actually... <laughs> but he's just trying to pull it instead for the entire episode. And then Fennec just comes along and pushes the door open. Oh, yes, please. Make that happen. Oh, boy. You are, you are right about that scene, though. Because we, as an audience, already know what happened to the armor and how Boba got the armor back in The Mandalorian. Um, So there's nothing there to sort of drive that part of the plot forward. And in terms of the relationship between Boba and Fennec, they don't really do anything with that to bring them closer together that makes you feel like this is a necessary scene that we must have in this episode. So, yeah, it's a bit of a strange one. I will say the Sarlacc stuff, it was cool when they dropped, what's that special bomb that they use that goes and does a big circle of that thing. It was cool that they used that. I like that that's his like little signature signature bomb move. Yeah. Uh, very cool. Very <laughs> Star Wars-y sound. Yeah. The old sonic bomb that he, uh, that Chango uses in, in the five star masterpiece that is Attack of the Clones. Uh, used once again here. Uh, poor old Sarlacc. He's just, again, that just felt wrong to me. He's just sitting there in the desert minding his own business. It's not <laughs> his fault. Yeah, they could be an endangered species. We don't yeah. know. You know, if you're not dropping people in it, like what's the harm in just leaving it? You could put up a fence. That would have been more useful. If he wants to if he wants to rule with respect, put up a fence around the Sarlacc. Job done. Caution Sarlacc yeah. <laughs> nearby. Yeah. That guy's the pits. Anyway, should we have some questions? <laughs> sure. Let's do it. <laughs> Peter Dias, 82, uh, goes along with Amon's th- thoughts. Uh, is anything in the previous three episodes worth keeping, or should we just have this episode as number one? Yes. It's like, it's like a soft There's, reboot. I just think a lot of the previous episodes just don't seem to matter very much. Like, we didn't see the uh, biker gang, particularly this episode. You know, they could have just been around. Actually, that scene was fairly compact and fairly sensible, but some of the rest, the sand people, I feel like they either needed to be a much bigger part of this flashbacks or just not there at all because it, they just killed them. So they're not, their characters don't really matter anymore. All we need to know is that Boba cared about them. And that he could have said that with a single line at some point. So I just, I'm, fr- I'm just really frustrated with this show. I just feel like you know, uh, really, that doesn't come across. I know. Um, I'm, I've been hiding it so well. <laughs> but, but there's so much hey, hey, good is- stuff in here. There's so much good material. There's so much that feels Star Warsy, And yet I find the storytelling so inept that I'm having trouble enjoying even that. We still haven't had the sense of all this time he's meant to have spent yeah. with them, you know? You know what they could have done? The little kid, Tusken Raider? could have become like a teenager Tuscan Raider. And then you would have gone, five years have passed and it's, it's fine. We could have had a growing up montage with him and yeah. Boba training together and and time evidently, obviously passing. Yeah. A beard or something. Like a beard is shorthand. Just have a bearded <laughs> Boba Fett. The beard of Boba Fett. That's a much better title. To be honest, I've enjoyed the first two episodes of this show the most so far. I feel like that's maybe opposite to what people felt 
with maybe this one being an improvement. But uh, th- that sense of atmosphere that I loved in those first couple of episodes where we had those longer sequences that that were largely dialogue-free, that were using the music and, and the visual storytelling to kind of get across this really mythical sense of, of Boba's wilderness years, I found that really engaging, actually. Whereas now that it is starting to kind of starting to get some plot things going it's less interesting to me than when it was just kind of noodling around with with boba fett's weird tatooine odyssey um so i'm I'm still with the show but i yeah i get the sense that some people have, have obviously no one really liked episode three that much but that this one has maybe got people a bit more back on board i liked it more. for me it was the first couple of episodes that that mm. i was genuinely kind of quite hooked in and it, I, f- I feel like it's feel like the whole show's wobbling as of these last couple of weeks there's a lot to be said for the way that tv production has changed over the last few years and the way that you know this 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 slow gravitation towards limited series and even when we get these these shows there are six episodes or eight episodes or 10 episodes and that you know that's that's fine that's great if everything is in lockstep before you finish because you can't react anymore to audiences, so especially with, like I say, a 22-episode season. Something like, I don't even know why this has popped into my head, but it has Heroes, all right? Heroes is maybe a bad example because Heroes got progressively shitter the, the longer it went on. Yep. But that first season that was first terrific. first season was amazing. Yep. First, absolutely Fantastic. terrific. And one of the things that the first season did was that they were able to gauge which characters were working with audiences and give them more to do. So Jack Coleman, for example, as the bloke with glasses, got more to do. In fact, he got got his own episode. That wasn't in the plan initially. And with something like all the Disney Plus MCU shows and all uh, all the Star Wars shows, they're all set in stone. You can't react to things. So they can't react to the fact that people are going... This isn't really working for us, guys. You need to change it up because it can't change it up. It's too late. You can maybe mm-hmm. you can probably change a few things thanks to the wonders of modern technology, but you can't overhaul. But look, I mean, every day genuinely is Christmas Eve, and even though I'm incredibly frustrated with where this show has gone so far, I I do have hope that the next couple of episodes could be could be really fun. Like we have now dealt with a lot of this absolutely unnecessary baggage, and if they just picked up the pace a bit, they could tell an engaging story in the time that remains. And Mando is coming, which Helen is very yeah. excited about. We've established. That can't hurt. That can't hurt. Yes. What if the final episode, the final, the final line in this whole show is Boba kills the baddie, goes over to a shelf on his ship, pulls out Django Fett's decomposing <laughs> you head, say that. <laughs> sits down in his chair, wounded, possibly dying, mm. looks at his dad's glassy-eyed face, and the last line of the book of Boba Fett is, got him dead. That would be amazing. <laughs> Oh, that was, that was so much worse than I thought it was going to be. Got <laughs> <laughs> him dead. I, I, I think, look, again, if they had done the storytelling in a faster way and made us care about Boba Fett, then yeah. this being an epic story where he restores order to Tatooine and then dies, leaving Fennec and Jennifer Beals to like 
you know, to hold it together. <laughs> to do a dance number. No, to hold it together. Well, maybe, but to hold yeah. the whole place together. Like, I would, I would be satisfied by that. I think that would be a great arc. And maybe they're going to try and do that in the episodes that remain. But mm-hmm. so far, it doesn't feel like they're, they're achieving anything really epic with this. It just feels right. like they're wasting my time. Anyway, it's fine. Mace Windu. Do we think Mace Windu's going to turn up? I don't think we're that no. lucky, are we? Wait, how many years has it been? That would make sense, right? Because then you could really have that. That my arc would really have some emotional resonance if he kills Mace Windu <laughs> at the end, and then goes, "Got him, did right, got him." Just saying, just saying. <laughs> Mace Windu <laughs> dies twice. Uh, here's a question from at Odyssey Art Torch Brian C Roll. Do you know why it's called the Book of Boba Fett? Because he's a big reader. You can't see it, but all that stuff in the back to tank is him just reading a book. He's, he's, he's got an audible. He's got I've an got audible. an audible account. <laughs> when I did the interviews for this, because you you have to ask questions. You don't. You have to ask questions to find things out. This is how interviewing works. Uh, and one of the things I asked Dave Filoni was like, "This is I'm probably barking up the wrong tree that you get all the gaffy sticks from, but." Is there a book of Boba Fett? And he was like, "There isn't a book of Boba Fett. It's just a a, a mythical sounding title." <laughs> so, uh, if anyone's waiting for the book to show up, like, where the hell's the book? It's not coming. There is going to be a book of Boba Fett because they're going to do like a concept art to the, the making of Boba Fett book. So that that is the book of Boba Fett. I have a notebook of Boba Fett. That's cool. <laughs> that I would say I could write the plot of everything that's happened in this show so far, but I don't think that would take many pages. Oh, oh, oh Jesus Christ. Come on, guys. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. When Ben starts roasting you, you know you've gone too far. Surely. Surely you should be worried at this point. We will not survive this. <laughs> at Skent Taylor. Uh, I'm enjoying it in part. Star Wars is my happy place, but it feels like a trudge in part because it's weekly. Would it be better as a binge watch or if the first three episodes or four were released on day one like Peacemaker? Uh, And then another part of the question is uh, how ungrateful do I feel as a 70s born Star Wars fan? I'd have killed for a weekly Star Wars TV show of this quality as a kid. And that led me to, to recall something I meant to say in the last couple of weeks, but didn't. Uh, which is I've been thinking quite a lot recently about how George Lucas never did this. And I wonder what things, and we'll never know, obviously, but I wonder what it would have been like had he, and obviously the divide between film and TV was very different back in the late 70s and the early to mid 80s when he was actively making Star Wars movies back then. But even when he started doing the, the, the prequel trilogy, you know, what would a George Lucas run and created Star Wars show have been. What you know, that would have been fascinating to me. Mm. And then I remembered the Ewok movies. <laughs> <laughs> he knew where the and money I, was. <laughs> I, I thought maybe maybe it's best to leave that one alone. But you know, we might have had that. There was the Droids TV show as well. Do you remember yeah. the old Droids cartoon? Not the new yeah. fangled one. Um no. but, you know, that was that was quite a lot of fun and did kind of spend a lot of time on Tatooine and dealing with this kind of you know, gangster stuff, didn't it? A little bit. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I I do think that you now, as I said earlier, that they should have released the first two episodes uh, in the in the first week and had a lot of the flashback, the tank sequences from this episode in episode two. <laughs> I think that would have uh, made uh, that would have made everything flow well. But in terms of if this should have been sort of like release all the episodes, binge all at once, I'm going to say no because you know as 
Disney have discovered with not just Star Wars stuff with in the Mandalorian, but with the MCU stuff as well, having a really great episode and then having the internet talk about it and theorize about it and go on and on and on about it for the for the next week and then and, and then anticipate the next episode which is following on after that is really good for business. It's just that Boba has not been to the same quality of some of the best stuff in regards to that, which is why we're getting questions like that. Um, because I I know that I enjoyed sort of the weekly um, drip of the Mandalorian because of in part because of those reasons, um, and to get excited from week to week and to you know, theorize about what might happen and you know with with Bo- with with, Bo- with um with Mando and with Fennec and with Grogu all of that stuff. So yeah, I'm gonna say no on the binge watch. But I think I think I kind of both agree with you and I'm about to sound like I completely disagree because I think <laughs> that the week-by-week week release works for all the reasons you're saying, but it isn't working in this case because of all the reasons you've said. It isn't working because they, we don't have those moments every week where everybody's like, oh my God, did you see that thing that happened when Baby Yoda ate a macaron? Um, you know, this. <laughs> the, but without those moments, the week-by-week week drip is frustrating because we're not getting our hits weekly we're just getting eh weekly and if you have a lot of eh back to back then maybe you keep watching it and hope that something happens immediately and at least you're not waiting for it but as it is we're waiting like seven weeks and still well four weeks so far so little is happening you know so uh, i i love the weekly release for that reason i was um you know, just talking about someone about, uh, and just like that, the Sex and the City spinoff, which is going week by week, and it is creating those moments it's in, its, in its corner of the internet as well. Yeah, and it's and it is, but it is creating that conversation. Bob um, Mando created that conversation. The best of the Marvel shows, maybe not Falcon and Winter Soldier, created that conversation. But this isn't doing it because nothing is moving forward. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I've tried to get off this soapbox. I just can't. <laughs> it's really big. Helen Helen isn't here this week. She pre-recorded the message uh, that has been stored in an R2 unit, and that just keeps playing periodically. Uh, there's a glitch, and I'm going to try and fix it, but we, we shall Help see. Help me, basic storytelling. You're our only hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. She's gone rogue. She's a rogue one. Uh, uh, a few people have asked. There's a number of things that people have asked. Uh, so people are asked, you know, are we done with are we done with the flashbacks? I'm done with the flashbacks. I was done with the flashbacks <laughs> after episode one, quite frankly. But yes, I think that we are now. I would say almost entirely in the present day. I was I was surprised. File Shopaholic, our good old uh, question asking pal, has only asked one question this week, <laughs> uh, and she was confused about the, the the timeline. There's a time jump within the flashback. So you know about about Mando's armor, and does Cobb Fanth have it? And does Mando have it? Does Boba have it? And all that sort of stuff. There's obviously a time jump in the flashback from the moment that he picks up Fennec and gives her her robot stomach. Then Mandalorian Season 2 happens, and then we come back to the the end of Mando Season 2, which is the the post-credits scene where he sits on on Boba's throne, on um, on Jabba's throne, having killed Bob Fortuna. So Mando Season 2 happens in that little period there. We just don't see any of it. Was was Boba conscious when the Jawas removed, the, removed his armour? He was groggy. Yeah, I think we're, we're Not meant Grogu. to... Not <laughs> Grogu. Yeah, I think he's meant to have been at least groggy if not like pretty much unconscious but certainly out of his mind with i guess heat stroke or 
the after effects of the, the toxic fumes of the digestive gases, juices of the okay. sarlacc so or whatever. So this feasible that he doesn't remember that uh, Jawa's well, removing his armour then? But he knows, this is my point, even if we've never been told that, we've never been given any reason to think that there's an amnesia resulting from any of that. But even if that's the case, he still knows he got out of the Sarlacc pit. He believes, or maybe has reason to, to know, that Beskar Steel can survive the Sarlacc stomach juices. So he knows, he must know he was wearing his armor when it came out. He must also know, you would think, about the existence of Jawas, who seem endemic to more than one desert planet that we've seen, um, and who go around scavenging stuff. So I don't understand why it would be such a leap for him to figure out that his armor wasn't still in the Sarlacc. Because why and how would he have taken it off in the Sarlacc pit and yet still escaped with his life? The fact that he's alive means the armor was on him when he came out of the pit. I don't see how he would conclude otherwise or why he would conclude otherwise. Again, he's a very, very stupid person. Well, um, and, and, <laughs> and sadly, <laughs> sadly, we may see the extent of that. No, he'll be fine. He'll, he'll become a genius in the last few episodes and oversee a tactical battle over the pikes. Uh, all right, just a couple of last questions. We'll wrap this up. Uh, at Itchy Nads asks, are Banthas really just big dogs? Uh, and how exactly does a robot stomach work? And is mm. it gas powered? Oh. And yes, Fennec Shan now has gas troenteritis. Oh boy. Hey. God, yeah, imagine having trapped wind in a uh, robo stomach. That would be deeply painful. Oh my God. Do Renny still work in that thing? Does she need to eat? Well, yeah, presumably, because the rest of her is organic. That's true. So it has to have organic processes be. in it. It has to have okay. like a bubbling test tube of goo. That- she should bubble. She should make noises. <laughs> bloop, 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 bloop. Master Assassin Fennec Shand. Oh, God. Is she- I don't know where she is. And then from behind, you just hear bloop, 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 bloop. And then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can we- lest we forget, she slit the throat of one of the, sh- the chef robots. She did. I mean, that was brutal. That never happens in MasterChef. There you go. Personally, wanted R-rated violence in their Star Wars shows. Throat slitting. It just happened to be a droid. Mm, I droid. wanted blood. Uh, Rob Bowman, R-B-B-W-M-N, who may be a droid himself. I'm not sure. Either a droid or less his Twitter handle. I'm not sure. We've all discussed last week, you all discussed how dreams don't actually just unspool memories. No, they certainly do not do that. Uh, is this show much improved by interpreting the flashbacks as just random dreams and there is no background to be had? Is this a Jacob's Ladder situation? <laughs> that is hilarious, but it would make the show so much worse because that's all we've had. That's where all the substance is coming from. If that's not real, then what's the fucking point? It's like I'm infecting Ben. You are, and I don't like it. <laughs> Stop Kylo renning me. <laughs> Let me ray over here on my own. <laughs> Helen, can, can, can you work this magic on Ben with the Rise of Skywalker next? Oh, I it's will not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. I think I missed my window it. on that one. It's fun and dramatic and operatic and yeah, looks beautiful boy. and has great character stuff in it. Many of those I, things we, are we, true. We can make this a Rise of Skywalker spoiler special if you want. I'm here. I'm available. I have time. <laughs> we have Thorfoyce incoming in five, four, three, two, one. You are now about to deploy Thorfoyce. Is it though? <laughs> yes, and in this TED talk, I will. <laughs> uh, in this anyway. 57th tweet thread, I will. <laughs> One day you will join me in the Twin Suns. 
somehow Ben Travis returned with theories about how The Rise of Skywalker was a good film. Anyway, anyway, a few people have also asked, would we still be watching the show if we weren't professionally obligated to do so? I would catch up on it eventually. I wouldn't be up every Wednesday morning watching it. I would be watching this. Like, I would be coming for my weekly Star Wars. I think, if anything, uh, uh, c- right, certain things lend themselves to spoiler specials and certain things don't. And I think if we weren't spoiler specialing it and going, why isn't anything happening? And why doesn't this make sense? And why doesn't that make sense? Which is which is what we do here, and that's part of the fun of it. I think we, I would just be enjoying the weekly Star Wars on a basic level without thinking about it too much and every Wednesday going like, oh, there's another one. Maybe he'll do something this week. But uh, if he doesn't, then <laughs> that's fine, I guess. Um, but I think it's the fact that when we go into these shows and, and when it comes to Mando, when it comes to the best of the MCU shows, there is so much to talk about. We, we rein ourselves into a tight 90 minutes on 35 minute episodes. Whereas I think this show so far, it's not even its strengths are not necessarily lending itself to uh, to kind of dissection in the way that we normally do. Um, so I would, of course, still be watching it. The fact, as somebody else said, I know this show has a lot of flaws, but the fact that we're getting a weekly Star Wars of this quality and of this kind of production level is a, a kind of amazing thing. And I think we're all getting quite quickly used to having a, a weekly Star Wars and a weekly Marvel thing. And that's actually really kind of crazy when you when you stop and think about it. Uh, so I would, of course, be watching it. I wasn't as excited to hit play on this because I was disappointed by last week's episode. Um, but after the tease and the promise at the end of this episode, I am excited to hit play on next week's episode. Uh, if next week's episode of The Mandalorian featuring <laughs> Boba Fett, I happily watched that. Yeah, eight a.m. every Wednesday morning for sure. So, so yeah. Um, hopefully, in next week's episode, uh, we get something else of the. Oh, I can't wait to hit play on the next week's episode as well. And hopefully, the back half of this can end a lot stronger than the first half. Amen. I don't think. Yeah, even though you know we have ragged on things like the first four episodes of this show <laughs> and the because we're kind of locked in you know we're we're to doing spoiler specials on the marvel shows and on the star wars shows and maybe some other things as they come along i'm, I'm sure we'll be doing weekly lord of the rings whenever that that drops in in september but it's obviously a pleasure for us because we're fans and we love star wars and we love the mcu and even when we rag on things like this and things on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which were disappointments and have been disappointments so far, I'm still not at the point where I'm like, you know what, I'm done with it. I'm walking away from it. I'm walking away. I'm not doing that. You know, from the troubles <laughs> sure. in my life and the bobbers in my life. And, you know, it's still something that you look forward to every week. And even even at its worst, there was still stuff to talk about in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. There were still those moments that we were talking about, you know, those things you, you know, whether it's Isaiah Bradley or whether it's, you know, Simo dancing, there's still stuff to grab onto in episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier when it was at its most aimless and a bit drab. This perhaps may be less so, but I'm still not walking away from it. I'm still not giving up on it. I still believe in Boba Fett, but I believe more in Din Djarin. And so I'm very excited about what may be coming down the line. Do you think, last question, do you think we'll get to see Pedro Pascal or will it be Pedro Pascal and his team of, um, stunt how should we say, stunt guys, stunt doubles, two of whom were in this week's episode, by the way? I think we will get to see Pedro Pascal. What, like his face? Ooh. 
his lovely face. It's going to happen for sure. I'm saying it now. No. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kingpin will come in and he'll have a fight with him. <laughs> well, while we're talking lovely faces, do we do we think we'll see Cobb Vanth again as well? Oh my god. I, mean, I don't think yes. we'll see. I don't. <laughs> I don't think we'll see Cobb Vanth because Why? the relationship he has, as much as I would like it, um, not least because the his the the theme that Ludwig Gratson gives that character is fantastic, um, but <laughs> the, his connection <laughs> is more with. <laughs> what? So on brand. You're so on brand. <laughs> Cobb Vanth. Cobb Vanth. He's Cobb Vanth. Look at his hair. His hair, his lovely hair. Cobb Vanth, Cobb Vanth. He's Cobb Vanth. He's got great hair. Cobb Vanth, lovely hair. That's the theme, isn't it? As I recall, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how it went. No, no, it is not. No, the, the track Theremin is called. Solo. <laughs> the track is called "The Marshall's Tale." For anybody who wants to check out what the theme actually sounds like, um, but. Cobb Vance's connection is more with Din Djarin as opposed to Boba. Um, and Boba has a connection with Mando. That's why sort of it makes sense to bring them in. I think it'll be a stretch to then, you know, because especially given that Din Djarin himself has not mentioned Cobb Vance since episode one of season two of The Mandalorian, I would be surprised to uh, see him show up again or for Din to even mention, mention him again as much as I would like to see him. I agree. I agree. I think that Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, will be the next time we see an elephant. Hey. Well, there's actually, isn't there a justified um, spin-off sequel thing? Shut up, Helen. (laughs) (laughs) It won't be out before September. It won't be out before September. Probably not. I don't think I'm ready for Din coming back. I'm like really excited about Mando showing up in this show. But it's it's unpacking all of my end of season two. Uh, I, I use the word trauma extremely loosely. Uh, but <laughs> people were like, "Oh, when you were saying, oh, do you think we'll see his face?" And I was like, "Oh my god, the last time we saw his face was when he took off his helmet oh, so his that face little baby Yoda could tears. touch his face, oh, and no. he was so sad. Oh, and he's no, gonna be, no, he's no. gonna be so sad. What I, we're hmm. gonna f- see, we're gonna find out maybe what he's been up to without baby Yoda around." Presumably, he's lost in so many senses. Like, what? What is his purpose anymore? Well, that's 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 what makes bringing him into this so great. Because you know, we're still going to have like to wait like a year or so for Mando to return properly in his own show uh, to give us a little flavor of him here in Boba, um, and to give him a little bit of purpose. Because I do agree, he is without purpose right now after uh, giving away Grogu. So, yeah. Um, I'm very excited to see where we find him. I'm very excited for him to kick some ass. And maybe to remind Boba how to kick some ass so that he can be the kick-ass Mando that we saw in The Mandalorian. Yep. That one time. All right. You've convinced <laughs> me. I am setting my alarm right now. Hey, Siri, <laughs> yes. set an alarm. 7.59. Next Wednesday, the 26th of January. And call that alarm Mando O'Clock. It is time. <laughs> it is time to make some din. With because his name's Din. No, it didn't that, was be a, noise. that was a jarring joke there. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> On that note, that is it for this week's appreciation and celebration of the book of Boba Fett. Join us next week for more Mandalorian related fun. We'll be talking mainly about Mando. <laughs> <laughs>
even if he's not in the episode, it'll just be us going, fucking, where's Mando? What's that? What was that? Um, what's that? It's like the Simpsons guy, isn't it? There's a, there's a TV company that, that, you know, they want, they have a focus group and they want people to be going, even when he's not on screen, we want the audience to be saying, where is this character? <laughs> a little bit like that with Mando. Uh, isn't that Poochie? Isn't that Poochie? Is it Pucci? It's Poochie! I think it's Poochie. It's Pucci. the second Poochie reference. Yes, every, even when Poochie's not on screen, we want the audience to be saying, where's Poochie? <laughs> so Matt was like that. <laughs> because Cara Dune died on the way back to her home. <laughs> and on that note, that is it for this week's Book of Boba Fett spoiler special. Hope you Can't guys stop have stop doing it. more notes on which to end. Just like Max Rebo. Just like Max my wife is next door wondering what the fuck is going on (laughs) (laughs) just these noises coming through the wall I'll probably go in and she go Theremin Solo again yeah (laughs) on that note that is it for this week's The Book of Boba Fett Chapter 4 Spoiler Special join us next week for more Mandalorian related fun in the meantime it is time to say goodbye to my three colleagues of such lethal cunning squad cast names the Book of Fennec Shand, Amon Warman. Peace. Peace be unto you, my friend. I'm off to listen to Ludwig Anson, The Mandalorian, Chapter 7. Uh, it is goodbye from MasterChef, the droids. Five minutes. Oh. Well. <laughs> I like the bass. I like the bass. I like the Empire's Killer bass. I like... <laughs> Lightstar killer base. Base, base. Lovely stuff. It's uh, Ben Travis. Bye, Ben. Bye. It's goodbye from Push the Button, Helen O'Hara. Um, Helen, what does that mean? Is that like a sex thing? It was a, just a reference to the. No, it was the, it was the bit where he told Fennec Shan not to push his buttons. I'm like, push the buttons! Do yeah, something. Push the, push something, do buttons. something. <laughs> do, do something, anything. Anything, I don't care. Anything. Anyway, you know what? I'm off to listen to some Battlestar Galactica, which is now on Spotify, um, to to calm down. Why is everyone doing an I'm off to thing? This <laughs> <That's> <laughs> my thing. I'm on did, and I thought I would too. That's, you know. Fucking hell. Ben, you didn't do one. I didn't. Um, I'm off to go and chase the rat catcher droid around the kitchen. Yay! (laughs) And do a much better job of Boba at actually catching it, probably. My gosh. For reals. (laughs) And it's goodbye from me, Santo Claus, the movie. I'm off to interview Dave Grohl. Not kidding. I'm off to interview Dave Grohl. Very excited about that. No joke for me this week. (laughs) I'm off to interview Dave Grohl. Lose my shit. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye! Bye!